We are going to have a good time this morning because we're going to talk about some stuff that will change your life. Change your life. And it's something that, I don't know about you, but I need it preached to me about once a month. So maybe you're the kind that gets it once and you're good. I need this message about once a month. So praise the Lord. Open your Bibles this morning to James 3. Anybody know what that is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. James 3. You know, <clears throat> James was the half-brother of Jesus, lived in the house with Jesus. How many know that he probably knows some stuff? You grow up with a brother or sister? You know, <clears throat> this, is not, this is not scripture. It's not from the Bible, so don't, don't take it as scripture. But I have a, I, I like history. We study stuff like that. And there is a, there is a book that uh, was written, and it was uh, a guy, it was several different, but they went and interviewed people in that day, and they interviewed Mary and Joseph, and it's pretty cool to read, but like I said, this, this is, it's been documented, but I would never take it over the Word of God. <laughs> you know, you just can't, because this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But anyway, it is interesting, and they said, they asked Mary and Joseph, you know, about Jesus, and they said, he just doesn't seem to care about, you know, his clothes or anything. He's just not concerned. And as a mother, that's concerning when you have a son that doesn't care. But Jesus had a bigger mission, amen? But James was raised in the same household. And so uh, we know that James probably did not get saved or didn't follow Jesus, let's say that. He didn't follow Jesus until later because we know there was that time that the Bible says that Jesus' mother and his brothers and sisters came, remember? They wanted to see him. So the disciples go and say, your mother and your brothers and your sister at the door, they want to see you. Now, Jesus said something that would just tick off any mother. Yeah. <laughs> Who is my mother? Who is my brother? But those that do the will of God. That sounds good to us. But as a mother, when your son has been trampsing about all over the countryside, you haven't seen him in a long time, you come, you hear he's in town, you go, let's all, hey, family, let's go see Jesus. And he doesn't even come out to talk to you. Mothers, can you identify? It's like, really? You're not going to come see your mother? <laughs> so James was probably part of that group that day. But praise the Lord, we know that James became one of the disciples, one of, one of the key leaders of the church. And so he writes this book. And in James 3, we're going to talk about your words having power. You know, Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. Now, if we could live like that, we would live in complete victory. Do you agree? But the church today is more influenced by the world than by the words of God. Is that true? But it... As James says, it ought not be so. 
And so we have to, we have to make a decision for ourselves. It's our decision. How we're going to walk, how we're going to talk, how we're going to live. Amen? We don't have to have somebody beating us with a stick. It's our decision. But once you make a heart decision, not out of legalism, but out of your love for God, then everything changes. So let's look at James 3, 1. Let not, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Let's stop right there. It says, it says that uh, the tongue is like the bit in a horse's mouth. You ever had a horse that just wants to do his own thing? Just, I mean, it's just stubborn. Just like you say, we're going down this way. And it's like, man, I'm going over here and eat the clover. You have to have trained that horse. Now, you can train a horse to where they don't have to have a bit. But I'm telling you, when you're training them, they have to have that bit so they know where you want to go. How about, it says a rudder of a ship. Most of us don't own big ships. I, actually, I was looking at some, um, some uh, reliefs that they have, that are in stone that they found that came from this time of uh, civilization and the ships and the rudders that they used. And they were, most of them were on the front of the boat. And it was like, you know, we think of a rudder down there by the propeller, right? And uh, so in those days, they were on the front or on the back. They could be on the back. This one that I saw was on the front. And it just went down the front. And so it was leading that ship. Now, airplanes, you know, there's, for the can, it's a pilot. <laughs> I took flying lessons. I don't fly a plane. There's reasons for that. But, you know, you had to do your feet to, to get those, what did you call them, rudders? You call them rudders, right? But if you didn't touch those rudders, you're in trouble, right? Because the plane doesn't have direction. How about a steering wheel? Now, they didn't have steering wheels or, or James would have written about it. But our cars, we direct our cars with our steering wheels, right? Hopefully you use your hands. I know some of you use your knees. But you're supposed to use 10 and 2, you know, 10 and 2. But if you have a car that doesn't have a steering wheel, you are in trouble. Right? If we have a car that the steering wheel is not working right, we're in trouble. The same way if we have a tongue that is not motivated and ruled by the Spirit of God, we're in trouble because it's going to take us wherever it wants. 
So some people say, well, the word says, you know, you can't tame the tongue. Well, let's read this. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. Did you hear that? Tongue is set apart from all the other members of your body. It defiles the whole entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come forth both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Well, verse 6 says, no one can tame the tongue. Now, if that meant that it's impossible for me and for you to tame our tongue, why would he be writing about it? Is it just to tell us, forget it, there's no hope for you? No, if you study it out, look in context. He's talking about birds can be tamed, reptiles can be tamed, which I'd like to see someone tame. I'd like to see that. Taming a reptile is not real easy. But he's saying they can be tamed and have been tamed. But no one can tame the tongue. You know what he's saying is, no one can tame your tongue. I can't tame your tongue. You can't tame my tongue. We can't make people talk the way they should talk. We can only tame our tongue. In context, he's talking about taming animals, taming reptiles. You know, he's talking about that, that they can be tamed, but a tongue, who can tame? He's talking about, I can't, we can't tame others' tongues. We have to tame our own tongue. So, let's go here. Let's read on. It says, out of the same tongue comes blessing and cursing. Is that not true? Is it true in our own lives, personally? You know, when I got saved, I, I was never one that cursed a lot. But, you, you know, once you get saved, and especially when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you're speaking in tongues, if you had that, it kind of goes off. Now, you know what? It, it kind of shows up sometimes, and then you, you have to deal with that. But this is not talking about cursing like swearing. You know what it's talking about? Let's just look. Blessing. What is blessing? When you say, I will bless the Lord, what does that word bless mean? Brent? Speak good of. Bless means to speak good of. Amen? So, blessing means speaking good, power, and ability to increase, to succeed. It means health. It means prosperity. Cursing means speaking decrease, speaking failure, speaking death, speaking sickness, speaking poverty. In other, in other words, cursing is speaking things that are opposite the will of God. He said, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is in heaven? Blessing. 
And what did God say when he first in Genesis 1? We're going to see that God created the world with his words. Right? But Genesis 1, when he made man and woman, what did he say? He said, blessed, be fruitful, multiply. Be blessed. God speaks blessing, not just when you sneeze. Blessing. So we're supposed to, supposed to speak blessing. Do you know what? You can't gossip or talk bad about your neighbor and speak blessing. Even in the context of we need to pray. Now, I agree that sometimes you have to share something for prayer. I understand that. It's true. But you don't have to tell details. You can just say, sister so-and-so needs prayer. What she need prayer for? Well, you know what? Let's just pray for her marriage. You don't have to go tell all the stuff. It's not necessary. But some people, it's almost becomes like a gossip session, doesn't it? Like, what what they do? What do you do? What'd she do? That goes into cursing. So he said, out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. If they ought not to be, then we're responsible to see that they do not be. Amen? Let's go on. Does a fountain send forth, uh, send out from the same opening forth fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs nor can salt water produce fresh when you learn that you can have what you say according to mark 11 22 23 24 we'll run over there in a minute but when you learn that you remember the context of that was jesus had just spoken let's just turn there let's go to mark 11 instead of me telling you the story let's see what let's get it straight from the source Mark 11, remember Jesus walked by that fig tree that morning. You remember that? He was going into Jerusalem. Let me find where we are. Verse 12, on the next day when they had left Bethany... Bethany is about six miles from Jerusalem. Remember Bethany, that's where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. So Jesus was many times, because Jesus' hometown was Capernaum, right? If you go to Capernaum today, they say the village of Jesus. So Jesus' home was Capernaum. But when he was in Jerusalem in that area, he would go out of the city and usually go stay over at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home in Bethany. So here he's going. The disciples are with him. He says, seeing seeing at a distance the fig tree and leave, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. That's all he said. He kept walking. 
But how many know when Jesus said something, it wasn't idle words? There was a, there was a purpose for it. So they go on to Jerusalem. We know that. They, they, that's the day. Some people say Jesus must have been in a bad mood the day, that day because he cursed the fig tree. Then he goes to Jerusalem and he drives out the money changers. How many know Jesus did not get in bad moods? He was tempted because the Bible says he was tempted in every way such as we are, but without sin. So it does say he was angry, but you can have righteous anger. There was a reason he was angry and a reason those people needed to be driven out, right? So Jesus, Jesus didn't just have a bad day that day. No, there was a purpose, just in case you ever thought that. Because I have to tell you, I thought that one time. When I was a baby Christian, I read that, and I went, whoa, he was not happy that day. Thank God for having years of learning, amen? Okay, let's go down to 20, no, let's see. Verse 20, and as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the root up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Well, isn't that something? Of course it has because he cursed it. And he said, from the roots up. You know, it's really important that this is a side trip here, but Many times we're trying to deal with symptoms. I, I, I'm talking about like physical symptoms, but more important, I'm talking about when there's a situation, we try to deal with what we can see and we don't go to the root of it. Amen? So you have to learn to attack the root. Like a root of bitterness, the Bible talks about a root of bitterness will spring up and defile many. So just because you don't like somebody, you have to deal with it, and you can't just say, well, I just, I'm just going to try to be nice to them. No, no, you've got to go down and dig that root up that that bitterness has been planted inside of you. You have to get it out of you. You have to repent and say, Jesus, I don't want to be bitter anymore. Amen? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is what Jesus, another illustration, he spoke to that fig tree to dry up from the roots. And even that's still amazing, isn't it, that in that short of time, it had died. But here he goes. He says, they're asking him, I mean, they're amazed. Jesus answered, saying to them, isn't it funny that you don't see a question there? But he perceives that they have a question. He answers them saying, have faith in God. Now, the literal translation says, have the God kind of faith. Amen? If you ask the majority of Christians, now, this is written to believers, do you understand? So you ask the majority of Christians, do you have faith in God? Won't the majority say yes? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He is saying, have the God kind of faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Or one translation says, the evidence of things not perceived with your five physical senses. I don't have to have faith 
to believe that there's people in the building today. I just believe, I just believe. I had to do that before I came to church, that there would be people in the building. But when I get to church, there's people in the building. I don't have to stand up and go, oh, Jesus, Jesus. I believe there's people at church today. He'd go, okay, Brownie. <laughs> that's, not, that's not faith because I could perceive it with my five physical senses. Faith, have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. We're going to find out what God's faith does. Verse 23, truly I say to you, whoever, what? Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in that what he, what? Says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I, come on, you guys, let's say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you receive them and they will be granted you. And then he talks about how you should pray. But watch this. He said that what do you do with a mountain? What's he say you do with the mountain? Speak to the mountain. You don't pray about the mountain. You don't call up your friends, let's pray about that mountain. He says you what? Speak to the mountain. As one saying goes, if you don't speak to your mountain, your mountain will speak to you. Is that not true? Because we all have mountains in our life. And Jesus said, you have to speak. Speak involves your tongue. Speak involves words. And it's my responsibility to speak to my mountains. Now, I can ask for someone else to join their faith with me. Let's speak to that mountain. I mean, in, in 35 years of ministry here in Canada, there's been many times that we've had mountains. Right? You in your own life, everyone here has had some mountains. You had a mountain when you had the accident with your finger, right? Or your thumb, what, whatever, finger. So that's a mountain, right? But you had to speak. So we all have instances where we have to speak to our mountain. But he says, let's read what Jesus says. Aren't you glad it's in red? We know that's Jesus. <laughs> So don't go out and say, Pastor Brownie said such and such. <laughs> now, this is what Jesus said. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not what? Doubt. James again talks about a double-minded man. Said, <clears throat> he said that if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to every man liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask without doubting. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. So you have to know when you're speaking to the mountain, you can't speak to the mountain and just try to figure out another way. Amen? You have to know... What does the word of God say? What is my promise on this? Because God has a promise for you. 
You speak the promise, not the problem. Most people speak the problem. And then they call and have 10 other people speak the problem. Is that not true? My mother was a great prayer warrior. When she went to heaven, there was emails and letters sent from all over the world of people thanking Miss Viola for praying for them. People in the, many people went in the ministry because Miss Viola prayed and would always pray when they would get where they wanted to quit the ministry. They would call Miss Viola, my mama, and have her pray. That was a real blessing to me because I realized many times we, David and I didn't have the money for me to go see my mama. And I, I would walk these, these aisles, and I'd walk the Loon Lake aisles, and I would pray, and I'd say, God, I'm taking care of your family. You take care of my family. I thank you. I, I'm going to take care of your family, but as I take care of your family, I thank you. You take care of my family. And he always did. He took care of my family. But this is what it's saying here is that you can't doubt. Why? Because when you doubt, you become double-minded. When you're double-minded, you don't get anything. Do you understand that? So I can't say, thank God by his stripes I'm healed. Oh God, I think I'm going to (laughs) die. See, I said we need to hear this like once a month. I'm talking about Brownie and maybe you. In fact, let me just tell you a secret, and it's recorded and going to be on the World Wide Web this afternoon, so it won't be a secret. But Monday a week ago, I had symptoms in my body. How many know that when you have a plan to go to prayer, sometimes the enemy just tries to trip you up? And so I was, I was doing all things. I was so busy all day long. But around 6 o'clock, I'm telling you, my head hurt so bad. I was coughing. I was nauseous. And I'm thinking, I can't go to prayer. I, I can't. But I, I'm just being honest. I'd made quiche and told Jonathan and T, I'm bringing you a quiche. I told Kim, I'm going to bring you some quiche. So that was more of a pull than obeying God, I have to be honest with you. Because got to get those quiches to those people. <laughs> what are they going to eat <laughs> if I don't provide? <laughs> I'm just being honest. So I came in the door. Now, I know the power of my tongue. I learned this a long time ago. But sometimes we get sloppy and we just, we're going to find a scripture, I'll tell you about that. But I came in, and, uh, and the ones we usually let it out on is our family. Yes. Oh, you know, someone else would go, oh, praise the Lord, I'm great. I'm great. But Jonathan was there, and I came in and went, hey, John, here's your quiche. Look, I don't feel good. I don't think I'll be here for much prayer. I, I'm, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't feel good at all. I'll probably be here for a little bit, and then I'm going home. John said, oh, don't you think you could last an hour, Mama? (laughs) You get kids you raise with the Word of God, they'll come back and bite you. (laughs) So pride comes in a little bit and goes, well, bless God, I guess I can. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, God had nothing to do 
with talking to me right now. I'm telling God and Jonathan and just, I had my own mind made up. But I started praying. Not praying about my symptoms, that never came up. Just praying. Just praying for the church, praying for you. Just walking around praying. And so at the end, at corporate prayer, we pray. And then at the last part, the last half, we get, get together. And so we pray in unit, like in agreement with each other. When we got the chairs around, I just realized every symptom was gone. I got healed praying. Hallelujah. <laughs> but my point is I knew better. I just said what I felt. I'm sick. I want you to know, Jonathan, I'm sick. <laughs> Years ago when I was playing the piano for a ministry, and he preached a sermon similar to this. You can have what you say, power your tongue, whatever. I remember this woman, he was at the back shaking hands. This woman came up to him. She shook his hand and says, I don't care what you say. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. <laughs> you can have what you say, lady. Go for it. It's our choice. And sometimes we get familiar with people and we believe we can tell them things that we know are the spirit of the Lord. I mean, as soon as I said that to Jonathan and he replied, it was like, it was like he was my pastor at that point. Like, <laughs> pastor just caught you running your mouth off. Things you know not. <laughs> it wasn't my son Jonathan, it was my pastor. And I was rebuked. <laughs> and I was, it was good for me because I stayed. Because it was like, well, bless God, I'll just stay. <laughs> I'll show him I can make it an hour. <laughs> See, these are all wrong. <laughs> Don't take this as what to do. This is wrong. Left side, wrong. This is right. Speak the word. Amen. So he says, this back to Jesus, does that down in heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. In other words, if you'll not doubt, but you'll believe what you say, you shall have what you say. So you want to you want to say the right things, right? You want to say what's right. Well, how are you going to know what's right? Say what God says. Amen. Even when even when your body is yelling, "I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick," Because I guarantee you there's going to be days when your body wants to talk really, really loud. You're going to have to speak the word. I don't mean that you don't go see the doctor. I don't mean that you just, you know, just pretend. We're not, we're not uh, Christian scientists. We don't pretend that, that, oh, I don't have pain. I don't have pain. I'm not saying that. That's not what God said. No, we speak the word that by his stripes I was healed, 1 Peter 2, 24. Amen? Amen? Yes. It doesn't say I'm going to be healed. It says I was healed. Yes. When? When Jesus took 39 stripes on his back, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, that was for our healing. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
Then 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, you were healed. If I were, I am. Amen. I don't know if that's good English, but I am. So it's important what you say. Do you know that, that yes, we should eat right. Yes, we should, we should take care of our bodies. Those are true things. But you know what's more dangerous? I had a friend years and years ago, and all she was, she was like, on everybody's case, you'd have a church meeting, and instead of talking the word, she was talking, you know, don't eat this, and you got to eat this, and don't eat that, and got to eat this. Cause she'd say, but she'd always tag it with, you know, if you eat that, you, that's, that, you'll get cancer. She was always talking about that, and I said to her one day, your fear of cancer and you speaking it all, time, all the time is greater than me eating that. Because she's putting it in her body and by her words. The Bible says that death and life, Psalms 18, I mean Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it shall eat the fruit of it. Death and life. So when I'm talking, you know, that's going to cause cancer, that's going to cause cancer, that's going to... What are you concentrating on? What are you thinking on? What did Jesus say? Think on these things. Or I guess it wasn't Jesus, that was Paul, but think on these things. Whatsoever is good, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good report. Amen? So don't neglect one for the other. Take care of your body. Take care of your health, but speak the word. I take medicine, but when I take it, I pray over it. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. This does exactly what it's supposed to do in my body. You might take a Tylenol. You know what? Some people think, well, it's just a Tylenol. You better be praying over your Tylenol. You better be praying over your Advil because that has more power. You've got to have the word of God that it, you want it to work but not to do wrong in your body, right? But you need to hear from God. You know, when I first got saved and I first learned these things, my pastor in those days, he took off his glasses at church one day and he said, I'm, I believe God, my eyes are healed. And he stomped and crushed his glasses. We were all like, yes. That's a baby Christian. Yes. That is so cool. For the next six months, he couldn't read the scriptures. (laughs) He would have to call one of us up. Can you read this for me? I'm healed. My eyes are healed. Then I met a man named David Bounds. He came to town and he said, I don't know if he had heard about this because he, he had actually joined his congregation to this man's congregation so David could come to Canada. So he knew the man. But we're driving and he says, Brownie, does stomping on glasses make God heal your eyes? <laughs> I wasn't real bright, but I could figure that one out. No. He said, Brownie, isn't it true that when your eyes are healed, you won't be able to see right through your glasses? Oh, right. 
Amen? If you're believing God, if you have diabetes, you're believing God. We've had people deal with diabetes. But listen, don't stop taking your insulin. Because there's a time of manifestation, and you'll know it. Your doctor will know it. When I, you know, years ago I broke this wrist, and, and um, they said, this is in Loon Lake. We had one doctor, and he, he said, that's one of the worst breaks I've ever seen. And I said, well, just fix it. So he fixed it. He, I mean, when he's standing on the rails of the bed pulling to try to get the bone in place, I kind of knew that wasn't an easy thing. And he said, this is going to take a while. This is going to take a long while for it to heal. I said, no, it won't. In Jesus' name, it'll heal fast. Well, he just, you know, smiled. But I had to do a healing crusade the next week. And the devil said, you can't do a healing crusade with a, a uh, cast on your arm. I said, watch. I'm going to hit them every one with that cast. <laughs> I went to that city. I did a healing crusade. Lots of people got healed. And uh, I went back to the, the hospital there in Loon Lake, little bitty place. And I said, take off the cast. He said, no. I said, well, take an x-ray. I believe it's healed. Take an x-ray. Now, I did have a person in the church here that said, and Lloyd Minster said, Brownie, let me cut that cast off for you. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that big a faith person. No, I want the doctor to look. So anyway, it was healed. And the doctor was amazed. There was no sign of the break. Amen? Amen. But me looking at that bone sticking out, you know, because we were skiing. It was, I had a skiing accident. And I, David said zigzag, and I zigged and never zagged. And so I broke my wrist. And uh, so I could have lain there in that snow and said, no, it's healed, it's healed. And you know what? I do know of people that have laid hands on broken bones and they've gone right back in. I know that. But that's not what happened. And I, so I went to the doctor. But my faith was it'll heal quickly. Just like when I had the broken back and they, you know, I, could, I, was, I couldn't move from the waist down when I went in. But I thought I would be out that night. <laughs> but it took days. But God did something every day, praise the Lord. So by the time, 16 days, I was walking and leaping and praising God. Amen? Amen. Went to the, my doctor in Metal Lake. He didn't know I had the accident. He's checking my spine. He said, there's nothing, there's no sign. He had to call Dr. Cavanaugh. No, I forgot the doctor here. Anyway, doctor, whatever the doctor was, called him here, had the x-ray sent to him because he couldn't see it at all. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But the, I'm telling you, there, sometimes you have instant miracles and sometimes you have gradual. That's, right. That's okay. Just keep believing God because it's God's will that you walk in health. Amen? So praise the Lord. You got to speak it. Amen? Hallelujah. You don't, you don't say everything that comes into your mind. We were talking about people in, in you know, when they get older. Sometimes in nursing homes, they kind of lose their filter. <laughs> I told you what a great woman of God my mama was. But she wanted to go home and she was quite 
angry at God for not taking her home like when she wanted to go. And so my mama just didn't have filters. And I found out that's the way a lot of older people, that's what they told me. They said, this is what older people do. They don't have the filters. It's like, I'm just going to tell you what I think because I'm going to die anyway. I don't care. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord, we got to have some filters. Let me find this scripture real quick. I got to hurry. I'm not going to get through, but surprise, surprise. Psalm 12, look at Psalm 12. Well, in honor of Pastor David, I could keep you to two. (laughs) Psalm 2, verse 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak falsehood to one another. With flattering lips and with a double heart they speak. You know people like that? They're like, they flatter you, but they don't mean it. It's just empty words. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. Whoops. You don't want to be without your lips, do you? You better speak the truth. No, this is, he's not going to do that. The tongue that speaks great things. The tongue that speaks great things. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? That verse 4 is what I want to just throw in right now. They're basically saying, it's a rebellious saying. They're saying, I'll say whatever I want to say. You can't tell me what to say. You're not Lord over me. When I first learned this, I was the word police. You can't say that. That's a bad confession. You can't say that. How many know that I didn't win a lot of friends and influence people? I hadn't taken Mr. Carnegie's class at that time. No, you can't be that. But listen, you control your mouth, but you can train your children. My children were not allowed to speak doubt and unbelief. They were taught. You know, they might have said it, but we would teach them, okay, what's the word say? You know, even little. Jonathan, you tell him to do something, he would not do it. I'm talking about your pastor, I shouldn't do this. Um, But I'd say, Jonathan, what's the word say? Ephesians. What does Ephesians say? Children, obey your parents in the ward, for this is right. It's right, Jonathan. Amen, you did it too. You raise them with the word of God. You, you put the word in them. And so they're raised, not, you do it. I was raised like this because I said so. Well, bottom line, that'll work too. But, <laughs> but it's better when one of them comes up and says, he hit me. Did you hit him back? Yes. What's the word say? Don't return evil for evil. Did you return evil for evil? Yes. That's wrong. But he hit me. That's wrong too. <laughs> you, have to, you have to teach it, right? You know, in our society today, there's phrases that we use that we just think are ne- n- normal. Now, a lot of you know better now, but for some that don't, we were raised like, that scared me to death. 
You ever heard that? That's a death word. Don't, that's a curse. And really, did it really scare you to death? How are you standing here talking to me? <laughs> Didn't. Or that tickled me to death. It's a bad way to die. But, <laughs> right? Oh, this one. Good grief. Ever said that? Good grief, I think. Grief is not good. <laughs> or holy cow. <laughs> holy cow? Are you from India? <laughs> holy cow? There's no cow that's holy. There's only one holy. But see, we say these things, we don't even think about it. Or we say things to our children. Are you stupid or what? <laughs> You'll never amount to anything. You better speak the word over your children. Speak, speak what God says. My children are disciples taught of the Lord and obedient to his word. And great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure of my children. Isaiah 54 says, amen. That my seed shall increase. My seed shall tell of the wonders of the Lord. My sons and my daughters prophesy. Those are scriptures. You can look in my Bible. I, many of you have told you before, but you can look through my Bible. I've got to get a new Bible, and I'm really fighting it. But just through my Bible, there's, there's pages that will say Jonathan and Liberty. Jonathan and Liberty. Now it says Jonathan and Liberty, Matthew and T and Moses. Because the Word's got promises for your children. Speak those promises. Don't speak what you see. You know what? Some of you are believing for your family. You can't speak what you see. You can't speak what people tell you. You can't. You can't. You speak the Word. Maybe you've got children that aren't serving the Lord. Don't go around saying, my children don't serve the Lord. No, that's part of the curse. Deuteronomy 28 says it's a curse that your children go and serve other gods. That's part of the curse. So say what you want. Say what the Word says, that my children, my children serve the, the Lord. My children are in the house of the Lord. Amen? You say you speak to those mountains, but you speak the Word of God. Amen? Find out. Go to your Bible. Don't be illiterate concerning your Bible. You have a Bible. If you don't, we'll help you get one. Find scriptures in your Bible. And today we're so blessed. We've got so many apps. My phone has Bible apps. My phone has concordances. My iPad has apps. My computer has apps. And if I'm really stuck, I can go to the old Strong's and Vines Concordance that are like this big. and Thank God I don't have to travel with those anymore. But we, ha we have no excuse to be ignorant. Really. We need to be students of the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Really quick, let's, let's just say that God said in, in uh, Mark 11, we said, he said in verse 22, have the God kind of faith. I told you I was going to show you this, and I'll show it to you real quick. Hebrews 11.3 says, 
By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Amen? God made this world. The Bible says it was without form and void. Darkness covered the face of the earth. Amen? But then God said, what was one of the first things God said? Light be. And what's the word say? Light was. And do you know light still is? Light is still expanding. It's still going on because God never said light don't be. Do you understand that? Because when God says something, it's going to happen. The Bible says it talks about that he put a stop to where the oceans could go. You know, we, we know, if, if you studied uh, things of the earth, we know that, that you can put the continents together and they fit together. But the Bible talks about in the days of Peleg, the earth was divided. The Bible talks about that. That's in Genesis. In the days of Peleg, the earth was divided. So there was a time, we know that in the Tower of Babel, God separated the people. Why? This is cool. This has to do with your words. Because it says they were all saying the same thing, and the, they were making a tower to go up to God. And because they all spoke the same thing, the Bible says that nothing would be impossible for them. You go to Acts after the Pentecost came, after the Spirit of the Lord had fallen on the people. They, they were filled with God, filled with the Holy Spirit. It says they were of one mind. They spoke the same thing. You know, body, we ought to be speaking the same thing. You can't have one group over here. Well, we want, I mean, it can be little things. We want the walls to be blue. We want the walls to be brown. That'll cause division. We ought to speak the same thing. I don't care what color the walls are. That's a pretty good thing. That's not my care. I pulled up to, we pulled up to a church on Friday, and, and I, there was something that, it, that bothered me about how it was taken care of. You know, and I'm, I'm bothered by it. Like, why, why isn't that done? Finally, it, it occurred to me that was none of my business. That's not my church. I'm not responsible to take care of their stuff. Why am I fretting about it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Shut it. It's not your concern. Tina was with me, and I said, she's, she's laughing the whole time because I'm like, ah, it's awful. I mean, I said, I, it occurred to me, it's really not my business. It's not my care. She's just laughing because she knew that all along. She just waited for me to catch up. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do, Brownie? Get out something and go fix this? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, we've got to speak the same thing. How are we going to do that? We can't, we can't go around and have a survey. <laughs> Surveys. What do you think we ought to do? What do you think we ought to do? What do you think we ought to do? 
You know what? God gives us godly leadership. The Bible said Moses was Godward to the people. Moses went up, heard what God said, came down, told them what God said. Now, they could have gone up, but they said, they said, oh, no, we don't want to go up. You go up and hear for us and come back and tell us. That wasn't, God didn't plan that. They made that plan. But now in the new covenant, we can all hear from God. We can all go boldly into the throne of grace and receive mercy and help. Amen? But we must be about the Father's business. So what, what are we going to say? Let's say what the Word says, that there's no sick or feeble among us. That all, I mean, you know what we speak over your offerings? Well, I don't work in the office anymore, but they, they do this. Every offering that comes in is prayed over. Everyone. You know what we believe for? We believe that you're out of debt. We believe that you prosper. We believe that you know you owe, according to Deuteronomy 28, you owe no man anything but to love him. We believe that you're blessed. Deuteronomy 28, the blessing. Remember Galatians 3 said that, <clears throat> that curse is everyone that hangs on the tree. Right? But that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Jesus hung on the tree so that the curses of Deuteronomy 28, remember it said if you don't do what God says, these curses will come on you. You ought to read that sometime and find out what you're redeemed from. Galatians 3 says we're redeemed from the curse. So the blessing in Deuteronomy 28 says I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field. It says the fruit of my womb is blessed. That means my children are blessed. Amen? Our cattle are blessed. I don't have cattle, but people in our church have cattle. Their cattle are blessed. Amen? So this is what I'm saying is that we speak what God says, not our opinion. That's a hard lesson to learn. A friend of mine told me this, told us a story in April that she had a friend that was, uh, she had had three or four little girls, I forgot how many, three or four, and she was expecting again, and she said, if this is a boy, I'm just going to die. Now, this is someone that knew better. And they'd say, oh, you know, you'll love that. If it's a girl, you'll love. No, if it's a boy, I'll just die. She said it continually through her pregnancy. You know what happened? I bet you do. The day came for the baby to be born. This is a true story of someone that I know who knew this woman. And this woman that told me is a preacher. So I'm telling you, this is true. to talk to that pastor Jonathan <laughs> such a 12 o'clock cutoff that's pretty cool but I don't like it <laughs> I was just kidding like preaching like pastor David the baby was born the baby boy didn't come it was a baby girl she was born and she was fine the woman died 
Is it important what we say? It's life and death. That's what the word says. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. You, you can speak life or you can speak death. You can say, I'll, I'll never have enough money to do that. As David and I used to say, do you want me to agree with that? Because the Bible says if two or more agree is touching anything, it shall be done. So if we would say something to each other like, gosh, we'll never be able to afford that. The other one would say, do you want me to agree with that? And then it hit us like, oh, no. You can't say that. So we have to be awakened to our words. The Bible talks about, David said, put a watch over my mouth. Proverbs says, if you can't say anything good, put your hand over your mouth. That's a good one. <laughs> Listen, the first time I heard this message preached, I was a baby Christian. I didn't talk for three days. <laughs> I didn't. It's like, bah, um, bah, um. I didn't have anything to say, which might need to be back in my life some hallelujah but we're going to do the word amen the woman with the issue of blood in mark 5 what did she say if i but touch the she said she said if i touch the hem of his garment i shall be healed when did she get healed when she touched the hem of his garment when they came at the same time that same time jesus was going to jairus's house because he said my daughter is near death come and lay your hands on her, she'll live. What happened? Jesus gets stopped by the woman with the issue of blood. She'd had that issue for 12 years, spent all her money on doctors, and the Bible says was none the better. But she said she had heard. There's another talk, another scripture says that when people touched Jesus' hem of his garment, they were healed. So she'd heard that. So she said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She had a point of contact. So she went, she pushed through the crowd, she did it. But at the same time, can you imagine Jairus going, oh no, oh no, he's going to be too late. She's stopping him. He can't get to my daughter. And at the same time, they come and say, Jairus, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. What did Jesus do immediately? He went, mmm. Jairus, don't worry only believe do you see that Jairus ever said one more word but when Jesus went to that home what did he do he drove all those people out of the room why because they were speak they were wailing they were some of them were professional hired mourners that's what they did in those days and they had no faith here's the thing when you are in a battle you don't need to tell everybody about it. You, you share it. If you want to share it with people that have faith, do that. But I have good news for you. When David was diagnosed and, and we had what, you know, we had the report, I didn't want anybody to know. We had special meetings that weekend. I, I did my best. Me and my kids did our best to be here and, and you know, pretend that everything was great but we were believing god but we were having to work at our flesh and so we had decided we're not telling 
We're just going to tell the leadership. That's all we're telling. We're not going to tell the church. And then God said, tell the church so they can pray. Well, then we found out people were having prayer meetings in town. Well, we knew these people believed that God put sickness on you to teach you. Because we'd, we'd been with these people. And I was like, oh, God, I don't want them praying. Because they're going to believe that you're the one that did this. And I don't want them to do that. And I was so concerned that, oh, they're saying the wrong thing. God took me back to Mark 11. It says, whatever you say, it not, has nothing to do with what they say. Whatever you say, you shall have. And God said, don't worry about what they say. And, you know, some of you are new here and you don't know, and you're thinking, well, he, he died. Well, he didn't die. He's more alive than he's ever been. But he did go to heaven. And just so that you know, it wasn't a faith failure. God didn't do it. But he, we, we know now from God helping us that David spent two months. He had pancreatic cancer. And, and the doctor kept offering him pain medication. He never had any pain. Only pain medication he got was morphine like a few minutes before he went to heaven. And I said if he was able to talk, he'd probably say no. The nurse said, I think I need to do this. But he didn't have pain. But he had two months, and all he did was stay in the guest room with his Bible. And we would go in there, and Jonathan would bring his guitar, and we would sit, and we would sing praises to the Lord, would sing in the Spirit. And the Spirit of the Lord, the glory of God, would just come in the room. And he stayed in that atmosphere, and he came to every church service. He came to corporate prayer, even until his last week of life. He was in every service. I was preaching, but he was here. He came because he loved God and he knew that the Bible says don't forsake the assembly. And I'd say, David, you don't have to go because he was very weak. You don't have to go, David. He said, I must, I must be in the house of the Lord. He would be and he would dance before the Lord with hardly any strength. But when he went... I know what he did. He had, he had been in the presence of God for so long. For two months, that's all he did. You know what he did? He stepped over. He saw heaven, and he stepped over, and he didn't mean to. But he wasn't going to turn back. Once you see heaven, it's, it's hard to come back. We've, we've, we've ministered to people who've come back. Dr. Deploy, I'm sure you've heard of, you know, people that you've revived back. But people who've really been to the other side, some, some don't. But when they really have, when they come back, sometimes they're very miserable. They want to just go back home. Like, just leave me alone. Let me go back. Well, wouldn't you? <laughs> it takes a lot of courage to stay after that. But now I just wanted to just briefly tell you that I don't want to stay on, but... We didn't have a faith failure. David made a choice. And when I said he didn't finish his course, I was like, God, I was angry. Like, God, I wasn't angry at God. I was just angry that why did he go? I said, God, he didn't finish his course. He was only, he, he it was just a week away from turning 52. He was only 52 years old. He didn't finish his course. And God said, Brownie, don't ever say that again.
he did finish his course. He said he preached the gospel from the time he was 14. He didn't take holidays. He preached more than most men that lived to be 95. He finished. He's entered his rest. And I went, okie dokie. I'll never say it again. So maybe you thought he didn't finish his course. He did finish his course. Didn't Jesus finish his course at 33? Did we say he didn't finish his course? No. Jesus said, use this example, if a grain of wheat dies, goes in the ground, it bears much fruit. Let me tell you, it's hard to see it at the time. Nine years ago today, it was hard for me to see where Jonathan, where me, where Liberty, where we would be serving God at this point. It was hard. I wouldn't have seen it. But God was so sweet to me that night. He said, Brownie, you remember how happy you were when you were single? You were known for your joy. I said, yes. He said, you're going to be known for your joy again as a single woman. I went, I don't, I don't see it, God. Well, you don't at the moment. But I see it now. Yeah. And God is always right. So fight the good fight of faith. God will let you know. And don't ever, when, when things seem like a faith failure, you ask God, did we miss it somewhere? If you missed it, he'll tell you. So you don't do that again. But fight with everything in you to live long, live strong, preach the gospel, share Jesus with people that you know and don't know because he is coming again. And we must be ready. We must be ready. And so it's important what we say. Because if we can tame our tongue, then we can, we can direct our lives. Amen? Amen? Down the path that he has for us. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> Hallelujah. God said uh, in the scriptures, he's, remember he said, uh, my word shall not return to me void. It's in Isaiah 55. He said that his word, when you speak his word, the Bible says that the angels hearken to the voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord. When we speak his word, it sends angels, they do the bidding. They do what they need to do. But when we're speaking doubt and unbelief, you know what? They stand at attention. There's angels always there to help you because the Bible says, aren't they all ministering spirits sent to minister to those that are heirs of salvation? So the angels stand there ready, but they can't act when you're saying, I'll never have it. It can't happen. I'm going to die, da-da-da-da-da. They have nothing to work on. But when you speak God's word, they go forth. So Isaiah 55, 10 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not, not return to me empty or void. Without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God sent his word. The Bible says God sent his word and he healed us. God sent his word to bless us. Amen. Grab hold of the word of God. Speak the word of God. And when the enemy tries to tell you it won't happen, you get right back. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world.
Father, we thank you. We thank you that you made it clear to us how to live victorious in life. Let's just let's just pray this together. We're just going to ask well, let's say let's we're going to repent of wrong words. Now, if you haven't, you don't need to pray it. But I would suspect everybody in here needs to do that. So let's do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent of using wrong words. I ask you to cleanse me with your blood. And I thank you that I have help. Holy Spirit will help me. I will speak your word. I will speak blessing and not cursing. I will bless and not curse. I will live a life of discipline. I will be a disciple taught of the Lord and obedient to your will. Thank you, Father, that you help me to tame my tongue in Jesus' name. Amen. You have help. You don't have to do this by your strong, strong-willed. Do it with the Holy Spirit's help. Amen. He'll remind you. You'll say something and it'll just go, you shouldn't have said that. And all you did, this is what you do. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You don't have to say it out loud. You say it to the Lord. But if you say it to somebody, you immediately say that wasn't right. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. We'll see you. Uh, we're not having prayer on Monday. <laughs> Wait just a minute. We're going to praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We needed $1,250 to build a church. We needed a little bit more, about a thousand more for a surgery. We received for the Philippines, this is not the other offering, $3,746.85. To God be the glory. send a little extra for Pastora Emma and say you take this Pastora and you get some place to live besides a little Nipah hut is that right girls and boys back there Nipah huts y'all y'all probably never lived in did you live in no they were city folk (laughs) Nipah huts are not the best place to live that's that's really poor I've stayed in them, uh, slept in them, but praise the Lord. Thank you for your, your wonderful giving. God, we thank you. We're, God, I'm so thankful that you, you just trust us enough to let us do this. God, I am so thankful that you have taught us to be givers. I'm so thankful, Lord, that we understand that we are blessed to be blessings. So, Father God, I'm asking you to bless every penny that came in. Lord, multiply it in the Philippines so that it goes further and does more. 
But Father, I thank you for harvest for the people that gave. But Lord, I know they gave out of their heart not to get something, but to give something. And so, Father, I know that's the heart of God. And I am so thankful for this church, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And thank you, Lord, that you told me build a church in a day. You told me it would be done today. I'm thankful that you know the end from the beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Glory to God. Yeah.